Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's start this morning just with an opening word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask this morning uh, that you would speak to us uh, from your word. We ask that you would just instruct us and build us up and encourage us in our faith. Uh, We ask that you would give me the words to say that it would be faithful uh, to this text of Scripture, that the Scriptures itself are are the word of God, and so we want to be faithful uh, in proclaiming them. Uh, In your precious and, and holy name we pray. Amen. I want you to pause for a moment and, and think with me and, and just kind of think for a second about all of the things your physical body is doing right now. All of the things especially that you're not instructing it to do, but it just does. Uh, your heart is, is pumping and you're not having to tell it, beat, 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 beat. At least you're not telling it consciously. Your, your lungs uh, are breathing uh, your eyes are blinking. Uh, your eyeballs are converting light rays into pictures that, that in your mind, you're, you're not thinking about this conversion process. And as the light goes through the lens, it, it reflects on the back of your eyeball upside down and your brain automatically knows to reverse the picture so that you're not looking at everything thinking it's all like this upside down. And all of this is happening without you even consciously doing it consciously i hope you're thinking about this passage of the word of god and maybe you have these stray thoughts running through your head did i I leave the oven on this morning Uh, i had to put the dinner in the oven this morning because my wife's not around it and i told all the kids make sure you have me turn it down before i come over so I consciously had to think of that before I left the house this morning. And, and I remembered, and thankfully two of the kids also remembered to remind me, so we were good and covered. Those are all things we had to think about consciously, but in that time, unconsciously, our bodies continued all of their processes. And, and so it needs to be in, in the body of Christ that, that there are things that happen behind the scenes, that happen almost unconsciously, that the rest of the body comes together to take care of so that, that the main focus, particularly on a Sunday morning, um, can go forward so that the Word of God can be proclaimed. There were, there were things that even happened uh, this morning that you probably didn't think about as you came in. Someone turned the lights on this morning. Someone has pre-programmed the heat so that we know it comes on at a certain time, so it's not cold this morning. Um, one of my daughters uh, noticed the smell in one of the bathrooms, so she febrezed it this morning so that you wouldn't notice it when you came in, and so I probably shouldn't have said that. But, but, but you get the idea that, that even this morning, there was stuff that happened that, that made it possible 
for us to be here so that we could do the main thing, which is the ministry of the Word of God to all of us. Thankfully, I didn't have to do all of those things this morning. I came over, plugged in the laptop, got a few things ready for my sermon. And so it is in the early church, they needed to divide the labor so all of the good things that got done could get done. Our main point this morning is simply this, that the ministry of the word and the care for the needy are both important in the life and the health of the church. The ministry of the word and and the care for the needy, particularly in this passage, the care for the widows are both important in the life of the church. There are a lot of things that need to go on in the life of the church for it to be a biblically healthy body, just like there are a lot of things that need to go on in your physical body for it to be a healthy physical body. And and if the active part of your brain, your consciousness, did all of those things, you would be overwhelmed. And so God in his wonderful handiwork has designed the body so that there is a division of labor. You have the lower parts of your brain regulating things. You have the cells of your body knowing automatically through the, the, the way that God has created them that they need to reproduce. And all of these things happen without ever reaching your conscious level. And yet all of these things are necessary. We wouldn't want to say that the heart is unimportant because it doesn't beat on a conscious level. We certainly wouldn't say that our lungs are, are unimportant or the reproduction of our, our cells in our body is unimportant because I don't have to think about it. And so it is with the care for the needy and the care for the poor and loving others and meeting needs. They are all important even if the pastor doesn't have to do every aspect of the ministry. So first this morning, we as the church must take care of our widows. And I, I want to expand this as well to, to just all of uh, the needy. As people come into the church, as needs arise, particularly within the church, it is important that the body of Christ band together and seek to meet these needs. And what happens here is, is that a dispute arises over the care for the widows. Certain widows were, were falling through the cracks, as it were. Their, their needs were not being met. And, and this largely divided among ethnic lines. You had the, the Jewish uh, the believers from Jerusalem. And then you had new believers who were coming in. It calls them in our passage, the Hellenists. Look at verse one. And now in these days that when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Probably what you have is is uh, most of the early church were Jewish by nature. So when it talks about Hebrews, it's probably talking about those those people that were born in Jerusalem or in the surrounding towns in Judea that were that were Hebrews ethnically. And then the Hellenist probably refers to those people that had had maybe were Jewish, but were scattered throughout. We, we, they call them diaspora uh, Jews. And, and many of them had been in town at Pentecost and had gotten saved. We also know that there were some Greeks that had been saved, people that were not Jewish by birth, because it says in verse 6 that, that there was Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So a proselyte would have been someone who was Greek uh, by birth, had... Um, 
converted to Judaism, and now he even became a Christian. And so there was sort of this division, and certain widows, these Hellenist widows, probably diaspora Jews who had converted to Christianity, they were being missed. Uh, The care for widows in the early church is extremely important. And I don't think that they were intentionally being missed. Uh, As the church uh, began to grow, the numbers became bigger. And so the disciples uh, began to, to meet some of these needs. And as more came in, you can imagine the tendency is sort of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so they've been meeting these needs, but these people that are new on the outsides, uh, their needs are getting missed. And so this dispute arises. Let me just highlight for you a few passages in Scripture where uh, the care for widows is important. James 1.28 says this, The religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. What does it mean to to be a Christian? What is the practice of of true Christianity? How will it manifest itself? Well, one way is the care for the needy, the orphans and the widows. Are we having problems with the PowerPoint? Oh, we switched the slides. That's a good question. I know how to do it when I'm sitting there. I don't know. Yeah, you might just have to go out. Sorry about that. Can you close it? Now try hitting play again. Well, we might just go through without it. Let's keep moving. 1 Timothy 5, 4. Sorry for the distraction there. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness uh, to their own household and make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. So the, widow, the care of widows is important. And, and the idea is that this shows your godliness. And so the first responsibility, the first line of attack, if you will, in obedience to God is if you have children or if you are the child and you have uh, a mother or a mother-in-law who is a widow, the first responsibility is for you as a believer to care for them so that they don't get missed in the life of the church. This isn't just, although it it certainly is, this isn't just about taking care of your family. Uh, Unbelievers recognize that that is good. It's common in our culture to say, hey, they're my family, it's my responsibility. But this goes even a step farther. This is about showing Christian conduct. This is about demonstrating godliness, that it is good and godly uh, to take care of our parents. And we should be reminded of that even even when we do it and we just say, well, yeah, I do it. I'm their kid. I'm their daughter. I'm their son. Sometimes we need to back up and remind ourselves, you know what? This is a good thing. And sometimes even let me encourage you to encourage other people. If you know of someone that's taking care of their mother, their daughter, their their aunt, their uncle, someone who's maybe a widow or a widower, just encourage them. Because, you know, sometimes it can be tough. Just encourage them and say, you know what? What you're doing is good. And, and it's not just good, it's, it's a sign of your Christian conduct. It's a sign of, of, of God working in you. In fact, God is a God throughout Scripture who is one who cares for the needy. 
cares for the widow and the orphan. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and the mighty and the awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner and giving him food and clothing. That's speaking about the alien or the immigrant that comes into the land. Psalm 868.5, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 146.9, the Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless and the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God has this care for widows and orphans and, and the most needy in our society. And so as, as the church, particularly as we have these needs in the body of Christ, we are to have care for them. And so it is in the early church that they are caring for widows. I don't know how well you know history, and, and I didn't know some of this until a few years ago. I read a book, and I think it was entitled um, Health Care in the Early Church. And don't worry, it's not about Obamacare or modern medical thing. It's, it's, but it's, it's about how mo- modern medicine took off in the early church. Um, there was a lot of care that people showed when the plagues would hit cities. And oftentimes what would happen, if you were rich, you would get out of town. You would flee to the hill country. You would go up into your villa. You would lock the gates. You would stay up there. You'd have all the food and water that you need. And you would wait out the plague. Christians, and often the deacons in the church, would stay in the cities and care for the needy. And in that day and age, simply... um, You know, when the plague hit, simply caring for someone, seeing that they got food, seeing that they got water, uh, uh, maybe patting down their head during a fever could increase your likelihood of survival. Think about how it is when you have a cold, right? Did your mom ever tell you drink lots of water and chicken soup, right? Stay hydrated. And how much easier is it? Well, when you're lying there with the plague, how much more are your chances of survival more likely because someone is caring for you. And in the early church, the Christians did this. The modern day orphanage took off because monks in the Middle Ages started establishing things to take care of children. All of these things, Christians doing what God has called them to do, to be the people of God. So caring for the needy needs of others is an important fruit of the ministry of the word. John 13:35 says this, but all people will know that by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's important in the life of the church that we have love. And it's important that we display this love by taking care of needs. And it's important, particularly inside the life of, of the local body, that as a need arises, there's someone here that we know needs some help, that we gather together as the church to meet those needs. And, and guess what? 
it's not the responsibility of the pastor to do everything. And I, I'm not saying this as a complaint. I'm very happy here. I love it here. You guys are great to me. So I'm not complaining at all. But I'm saying, and, and let me just encourage you as we go forward, it's about the body working as the body. It's about all of us doing a part, all of us having a spiritual gift to use. So that when Jesus gathers and he, he gathers at the judgment and he has uh, his sheep at the right hand, he says to them in Matthew 25, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And when did we feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? But the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my of these, my brothers, you did it for me. When the body takes care of the people of God, we are doing it for Jesus. Hey, we got it. We're good. Just in time for point number two. Let me just encourage you. As we look around, even as people come into our church, Lord willing, God will bless us. But sometimes when God blesses us, he brings people into the church that have needs, spiritual needs, sometimes physical needs. And it's our responsibility, but also our joy as the body to see that these things are being met. I'm saying this not as a critique. I think many of you have a great love and help others out and have this spirit. But I'm saying it as an encouragement as we as we go forward. What is the vision for the church? Well, we need to minister the word of God. But then the body needs to be a healthy body. And just like when when your physical body, when you have a, a sprain in your arm, the rest of your muscles compensate. If you've ever, if you've ever busted uh, a rib or cracked a rib, you know that when you're walking and you're carrying yourself, the rest of the body protects that. It, it, it you kind of, some of your other muscles are tightened. Or if you go to move something, you, you use some other muscles that you maybe don't normally use because you don't want to injure that strain anymore. And so it is in the body of Christ when there are physical needs. The rest of the body works together to compensate, to step up, uh, to meet needs. Second, this morning, we need to delegate so that all things can be done well in the church. Again, I'm not saying this as critique. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying you need to take more things off my plate. Not at all. We're working through the passage. And this is the passage that came up. But it gives us a vision for, for where we want to go as a body, particularly as the Lord brings in more people. More people is going to mean there's going to be more behind-the-scenes structure that needs to take place. Look at verses 2 through 4 in our passage this morning of Acts chapter 6. Now the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who will appoint, uh, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
and we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. First, I want you to recognize here that that they can't do both things well. But notice this, both things need to be done. The temptation to re- the temptation is that we read this passage with with the um, disciples or the apostles sort of being like, well, we're preaching the word and we don't want to take time to serve the tables of those people over there. It's sort of the we're looking down our nose at, at this job. And that's not the what's going on here. The, this language of, of they don't mean serving tables in a demeaning way. Uh, sometimes in, in our culture, some of the, the quote-unquote lesser jobs we might look down on, the, the person that cleans the bathrooms or the person that does behind the scenes, or, oh, you're just a cook at the restaurant, or all you do is serve the tables. I'm the big money maker in our culture, the banker or whatever it might be. This is not what, what they're talking about here. They're not looking down their noses. But rather, they do say it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So the idea is you, you can't do both things equally well. You run out of time. You run out of energy. You just can't do it. And, and preaching the word is important, but serving these tables is important. But we, because we've been called by God to be the witnesses, to be the apostles, we can't give up the first commission we've had to do this job that also needs to get done. You wouldn't want your brain to say, well, I'm going to start being the heart. It just wouldn't work. If your brain could pump, you'd have a throbbing headache all the time. But it couldn't even pump blood. It's not designed to do that. Your brain's functions are important, but your heart's functions are important. God had called the apostles. And this is in the day and age before the word of God is entirely written down in the New Testament. God had called them to bring the word of God. To be the witnesses. When, when the church is planted, it's described in Ephesians as a foundation. And, and the cornerstone is Jesus and the footers, if you will, are the apostles. And they have to follow up the ministry of Jesus and bring the word so that we might understand all that the death and resurrection of Jesus accomplishes. And if they don't do that job, at the end of the day, we wouldn't have the New Testament. We wouldn't have the early church. And so if they just stop, they would be denying what Jesus told them to do, to do something else that is good. And so they need to delegate. So it is with us when we have spiritual gifts or when we serve in the life of the church. Let me give you another illustration. Imagine, if you will, uh, the difference between uh, a police officer uh, and a firefighter. A police officer responds to crime and a firefighter responds to fires. And you wouldn't want to mix those jobs up. Uh, Joel was here this morning, and, and he's a police officer. And could you imagine if he got a call you know, through the radio, uh, ch- Officer Good, uh, there's a fire down the street, and uh, we need you to go down there and put it out. And he's you know, arresting this criminal 
So do you let the criminal go and go uh, put out the fire? No, they're, they're equally important. And so we divide the tasks and we have the 911 dispatcher knows to call the firefighter. This is what the early church is doing. The word of God is vital. And so in the church today, we have uh, elders and particularly the pastor who, who ministers the word of God, who, who, you know, I get the privilege and I'm so delighted. You know, you guys let me study. And you let me buy books that have Greek and Hebrew in so that I can study and prepare the sermon and, and minister to spiritual needs as they come up and, and visit people when they have needs. But you don't ask me to go fix the furnace when it breaks down. Uh, you wouldn't want me tinkering with the furnace. I would probably blow it up. We call in a contractor, actually, for that. But, but there is a division of things that get done. And so when there are these physical needs, when there are these widows, the, 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 um, the apostles, which are, are acting in a way that elders and pastors would act today, they say, we got to focus on the word. But this other needs in the body are vital. And so we've got to get people that can handle this. And we've got to delegate to them. And, and in fact, you'll notice they don't just say, well, you guys take care of it. They say, find reliable people, men who have the spirit and are people of faith who are going to look at these needs and, and not just you know, look at the checkbook and say, oh, man, the money's a little tight. We better hold on to this. But, but people that are going to be compassionate and tender, and have the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that would say, you know, godliness says that we got to step out here in faith and meet this need. They're not just appointing any Joe Schmo. They're appointing reliable people because the job is important. So that was the second thing. They picked spiritual men with a spirit of wisdom. It's not a lesser class of Christian. And in 1 Timothy, we're told uh, what deacons are to be like. It says, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 10, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, and not addicted to much wine, nor greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience uh, and let them be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. The word deacon uh, or diakonos just means to serve or to minister. And in the early church, deacons ministered to the needs of people. And we think, although the word deacon isn't mentioned here, uh, the word ministry is mentioned. Uh, and so we think this, the, the idea of the deacons came from this passage in Acts. But these people have to be reliable. They're going to be handing out money to widows. And, and imagine if they weren't reliable and they said, you know, 10 denarii for this widow and two for me. 10 denarii for that widow and two for me. You know, a processing fee or something like that. It, it would be just like Judas Iscariot. And you remember he had control of the purse. And it says in John 2, 6, it says he said this. Uh, oh, by the way, this is when... Um, the lady had anointed Jesus' feet with oil. And then Judas says, why was this an ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
Sounds very spiritual, but John tells us he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief having the charge of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas Iscariot did ten for you, two for me, or maybe ten for me. Or So he said, boy, 300 denarii, that could go a really long way for the poor. It needs to be reliable people, godly people. And so the apostles then do this to determine that they would stick to the ministry of the word and prayer. So there is nowadays in the church, the way we do it is a division of labor. And formally, we do it by establishing elders and the pastor, part of the elder board, and deacons. And, and the ministries in the church go forward under those two categories, basically. And, and as we grow, we may, you know, we may put people into place in Sunday school classes and, and they'll be under the, the elders and, and we may even get like a Sunday school committee to help pick the curriculum uh, so that, that one person doesn't have to do it all. But then we'll get deacon ministries and they'll take care of widows and physical needs. And they might then also uh, delegate to some people to to make sure that that the church building is getting cleaner, to make sure that that other functions in the life of the physical plant of the church go on. But we divide the labor in faithfulness to Scripture. Look at verse 4. It says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Later on in Acts, Paul will give instructions to what the elders are to do, what this ministry of prayer and the word looks like. And he says in Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. In all things, I have shown you that by the working hard in this way, we must help the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He says, you receive without paying, give without pay. In that passage, Matthew instructs people to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard, cast out demons. In other words, take care of the physical needs. And so the elders shepherd the body. They take care of the spiritual needs. They visit people. They, they see that the word of God is going out. And Paul says, I did this you know, publicly, but I also did this in homes. Things like we would think of today, discipling or maybe even counseling, helping people through trials, being there for them when they have need. But then there are the physical needs, which the deacons take care of. And it is good in the life of the church to spread the ministry around to see that the ministry gets delegated. Let me just give you one example from Scripture. Moses. Remember Moses when he comes out of of Egypt? He is leading over a million people. And and Scripture says in Exodus 18 that, that Moses would get up at sunrise and he would gather with the people and they would come to him with all of his problems and he would judge all of the disputes from sunrise to sunset. Uh, a 12-hour day, maybe a little longer. And, and can you imagine hearing people complain all day? 
this week I was at home with my kids. My wife is away this weekend. So every time there's a dispute, and thankfully there weren't many, every time that I'm the only one, I am on call. Anything happens, it's on my shoulders. When your wife is there, there is a division of labor. I won't pretend that it's 50-50. <laughs> Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes along and he says, it is not right that you should be ju- judging all of these disputes. Moses is judging the big ones to all the way down to the little ones. So, so I imagine, you know, big ones, somebody comes and says, you know, this person stole something and he's got to figure it out. Maybe a murder takes place and he's got to judge what's going on here. Be the investigator and figure it out and come up with a fair sentence. And then maybe little ones, maybe Johnny and, and Sally, you know, good Jewish names, they come in and and, you know, they're fighting over a toy, and maybe he has to judge these little ones. I don't know. But Jethro says, divide this up and appoint other judges. People to judge groups of 100. People to judge groups of 50. People to judge groups of 10. Kind of like our legal system today. You know, not everything goes before the Supreme Court. It, it works its way up to, through various levels. And if the dispute is too hard to settle at a lower level, the idea was it comes up. And ultimately, if it needs to go high enough, then maybe Moses will get to judge it. And it's to be faithful in administering the whole body. So it is in the life of the church. I'm glad that someone doesn't call me every time a light bulb needs to be changed. Because I'd be overwhelmed with light. Well, we're, we have good lights, but, but it, it could be overwhelming. So we divide these things up. And God, let me, let me challenge you with this. God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And how are you using it in the life of the body? It may be something as simple as being a faithful prayer warrior for the people of God. It may be something where you say, Pastor, I could never teach even a children's Sunday school. I am terrified of preaching or teaching. But I am really good with a mop. And I am the best mopper in York County because God has given me that gift. All of these things are gifts that God puts in the body to be used. What's this going to look like in our church? How are we going to go forward? Well, we're going to need elders and deacons. So right now I uh, am the pastor, and we have two interim elders, uh, Ralph Soper, who's here, and Steve Del Duca, who will be here a little bit later. But in the coming days, we're going to have to work to train up elders, leaders, to be faithful to the handling of the scriptures. We're also, in the future, going to need some deacons or some people that are willing to help take care of physical needs. We have some now, but as the people... People come and as the church Lord willing grows, more needs will happen, which is going to mean a little more structure, which is going to mean a little more uh, number of people serving in the life of the church. So the pastor's role, according to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, says that we are to, quote, equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building of the body of Christ. 
Now, thankfully, we do currently divide responsibilities in the church, and, and there are people that have many uh, areas. There, you know, there are some that get ready for communion on Sunday. There are some that get ready for our fellowship meals. Uh, there's someone that cleans. There's someone that makes sure uh, that there's money in the checking account and writes out the checks. And we divide those things up. And we need to continue with that spirit of we are a team. And everybody has uh, an important role. And yes, the pastor may stand up here on a Sunday and preach. And, and the pastor is responsible with the elders for the spiritual health of the church. But every member of the team is valuable. And Paul goes through this in 1 Corinthians, particularly uh, chapter 11 and 12, that, that the eye can't say to the hand, because you're not an eye, we don't need you. We can't say to people in the body, well, because you don't teach Sunday school, because you're not a preacher, we don't need you. Why don't you go down to that church down the street? They could use you. No, everyone is valuable inside the body because everyone has a spiritual gift. And we want to continue with that concept. I want to encourage you just as an application. One, pray for the ministry of the word and pray for me. Because my job is the ministry of the word and prayer, the the shepherding, the care for the spiritual needs. Pray for prayer. We don't often think about prayer being the job of the pastor. And some pastors, if they spend too much time in the office, they, they get critiqued. But we're supposed to prepare the word. And we're supposed to spend time in prayer. Because that's how we meet the spiritual needs. The pastor needs to be spiritually refreshed in his relationship with God so that when there's someone that needs help, he can pour out of the riches that God has been giving to him through the study of the word, through spiritual heart, and help someone through the grace of God. Pray for that. Second, ask yourself, what is my spiritual gift? I already mentioned that, but let me just say it again. Third, is there some area in the life of the church that I can step up? Maybe you see someone is always doing something and you say, you know what, I could take that off their plate. I could help them with that, make their job a a little easier. Is there something in the life of the church that God wants me to to do? Everybody has a spiritual gift and everybody can be plugged in. In some way, at my last church, there was this sweet old, old elderly couple. Uh, they were in their 80s. In fact, after I left, I had the privilege of, of going back and, and doing his funeral. And I remember on occasion, you know, we'd, I'd be preaching scripture and I would preach through one of these passages on spiritual gifts. And they would come up to me and they would say, Pastor, we can barely get here on a Sunday. There just isn't much we can do. They, they walked. He walked with a walker. Uh, he could barely he could barely drive anymore. But it was amazing that they got there every Sunday. And I said, that's your ministry. You're, you're an encouragement just that you're here. And they would testify to the faithfulness of God. Uh, they would share in the Thanksgiving services and, and it, you know, it would bring you to tears when they would ch- tell about God's grace in their life. And that was their ministry. And they prayed and occasionally they invited someone over to their home for a dinner. And they were Italians, so that was really their ministry. Uh, really good food. 
Maybe that's all that you can do, but that is important in our body. Let me give you another example of delegation and, and why it's just important. And, and this actually sort of happened to me. So this was when we first went to our, our last church and uh, great people up there. Uh, and, but one time they, they had this meeting, this fellowship committee met. And there was this new lady on the committee. And we had, we had delegated responsibility to them. We said, look, you know, fellowships are your uh, bivouac. That's your area. You go, go do that. We, we're not going to look over your shoulder as long as it's getting done, as long as you're being faithful to, to the word of God. And, and so um, when you delegate something, you actually are giving people responsibility. And they get the joy of using their gifts. So in this setting, uh, this one lady who was kind of new to the committee, a, a younger lady, she had this idea. Let's try this. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was something like a soup luncheon or something different for fellowship. And someone at the meeting said, Pastor wouldn't like it that way. I had never even heard of this idea. When I heard about it, I thought it was a good idea. But right away, the, the trump card was played. The pastor wouldn't like it this way. You know what? The pastor doesn't have to make every decision in the life of the church. Just like with that illustration at the beginning, your conscious brain doesn't make every decision for when your heart should beat. Your heart knows to beat. In in the same way, I don't make decisions on what toilet paper should we stock? What cleaning supplies should we use? We delegate that to people. What, What should we serve at the fellowship meal? Well, if God is giving you that gift, go use it. You have that gift. Maybe that's not my gift. And so it should be in the life of our body. That, that when we delegate, you should feel a freedom to say, I'm using my gifts to the Lord. Now, sometimes, you know, there's checks and balances. And sometimes, you know, you do talk to someone else and get a little bit of approval and that, that sort of thing. And we want things to be orderly and, and decent. But, but at the same time, the body works together. And sometimes it's good when other people have other ideas. Hey, how about for this coming fellowship meal, we try chili. I don't, I don't know. We'll do a chili cook-off or, you know, something like those things. Or how about for fellowship we do this? Or, or maybe you, you, you just, you know, Scripture says show hospitality and you say, you know what? I'm going to invite some people over to my house for, for lunch and we're going to do hospitality. Guess what? You, you don't have to run that by the pastor and say, Pastor Tim, is it okay if I biblically show hospitality like Scripture commands me to? Well, gee, I don't know. That might not be a good idea. No, of course not. The point is, when they delegated to take care of these widows, they put reliable people in place. I don't think they had to follow up. They could focus on what their gifts are. In the same way, when you have a spiritual gift and you're using your gift, you don't have to worry about the other gifts being used. You have your job. You're vital to the body of Christ. Let me end with this. And this is where our passage ends. Be confident that the Lord will bless his word. Look at verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase 
and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You see, in this delegation, they were faithful to the Word of God. When we delegate, it allows the body to continue to be healthy, but it also allows us to continue to minister the Word of God. It, it allows me to, to have time to prepare a sermon so that, so that when I um, tell you what I've done this week, you don't have to see this list of, well, pastor changed the light bulbs, pastor fixed the furnace, pastor mowed the lawn, pastor shoveled the snow, uh, 20 other things. Things that I, you know, I like mowing. I, I don't mind. I got a snowblower. I don't mind doing a little snow shoveling. But, but could you imagine if every time something arose in the life of the church, we said, only the pastor will take care of it. And then you come in on a Sunday and you say, okay, feed me the word of God. Well, it's a little skimpy here today. This is how the body works. And the analogy connects to your human body. There's a division of labor. And when there's a division of labor, healthy bodies grow in health. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day and pray that you would instruct us from your word. Give us encouragement. Maybe we have a spiritual gift and you you are challenging us this morning to say, how can I get involved in this body? Lord, instruct us from your word. Continue to feed us. May we lift up taking care of needs, but also lift up the ministry of the word and prayer. That we would take care of physical needs, but that you would meet the spiritual needs. In your precious name we pray. Amen.